Well, you, you know what I was going to say is what I wanted to write on your book was just because you put a pair of trucker balls on your arm doesn't make it a dick. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I gotta see, do see, what I'm, see what I'm saying? I see. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> we, are, we are marking out today for real, guys. Aaron Whitlow. Brandon Spavi here. We are the Markout Movie Podcasters, and in today's episode, we are joined by none other than the legendary man himself, Mick Strong. Hey, guys. How's it going? Now, uh, you must remember this. You, 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 or, or, or I'm just going to let you know, mm-hmm. this isn't going to be quiet. I it's, imagine so. It's <laughs> never quiet with me. It's always, I mean, I always walk away going, oh, you know, you know, when you, you know, when you were in the middle of an argument and you didn't say something and you walked away and went, God damn, I wish I'd said that, 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 right? Right. You remember that? That's never happened to me ever, <laughs> ever. I, I met you. I know this. <laughs> <laughs> I leave it on the table. <laughs> That's all right. We, hey. You, we're about to experience the wild man himself. Uh, <laughs> man, we are so pleased to have you today. How's your day been? Oh, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm constantly in the state of remodeling this house. So, uh, I, I was out spending a fortune on, um, pre-finished plywood today. So, mm-hmm. so I, I'm in a pre-finished plywood mood. Oh, wow. Um. <laughs> We and got, you, 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 you know that you know that joke with the balls and the arm. Yes. Do you know where it came from? Somewhere in your mind, I assume. No, 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 no. I've been working on that <laughs> because it's a line that, in another form but very close to it, didn't get made in uh, Blazing Saddles. Really? Yes. Now, Blazing Saddles. <laughs> Blazing Saddles was uh, originally written by uh, Mel Brooks, but do you know who his uh, his writing partner was? I do. I know. Who, who was it? Go for it. Come on. Richard, Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor, right. And when he wrote the scene for, what was the name? Okay, Brandon, this is your test. What was the name of the sheriff? I haven't seen the movie. Oh, Jesus Christ. Cleavon Little. Come on. Come on, people. Get so, him, Mick. Get him, Mick. So, look, Brandon, you're fair game. Oh, I know. know. And you know why? Him. And you know why? Because I can see you. That's why you're fair game. Now, so <laughs> Richard Pryor had written this line uh, for uh, when the lights go out. Ooh, it's, it's true about your people, right? But that's that wasn't the complete line. Richard Pryor had complete had done the complete line, and the complete line was, "Baby, you're sucking on my arm." Oh wow! <laughs> oh man! So, so here's the thing. This is what I'm saying. That was an extension of that joke. So I guess what I was really saying is, Aaron, you're sucking on my arm. Oh well, tastes like chicken, Mick. Tastes yeah. like chicken. <laughs> well, well, uh, yeah. Well, hey, great trivia, by the way, to the man himself, Richard Pryor, and yeah. uh, Gene Wilder, and Cleveland Little. All three of them are no longer with us. So, yeah. one of my one of my favorite one of my favorite films. Uh, I I have to say that my one of my favorite all times all time films had to be um, Young Frankenstein. Absolutely. And if you didn't know this about Young Frankenstein, Young Frankenstein, uh, 
95% of the dialogue in Young Frankenstein was literally taken from the films themselves. Really? From, from the original films. All, you know, like the first uh, five or six Frankensteins. Uh, and I didn't even know that myself until I, until just recently, and I went back and watched all of them, and I go, oh my God, that line was taken. No, not the, not the concept, because the concept obviously was taken, but the lines were taken from him. And you know when when Marty Feldman's walking around in that little tiny with that little tiny cane? Mm-hmm. That was taken from uh the bride of Frankenstein. Literally, literally he's got a little tiny cane that he walks around with. Eagle Igor does. Oh wow. Yeah, I know. Freaky, right? Oh I, I can't believe it that they got away with that. Hey, I mean <laughs> If you think about though in film history, Max Streck got away with a lot when it came to like Nosferatu. He like literally, oh. he was like he asked uh, uh, Brim Stoker's widow if he could use the rights. Oh. She said oh. no, and he's like, "But I'm going to." <laughs> yeah, I'm going to anyway. Nosferatu is a really amazingly well fi- done film. I mean, you know, there there is a part to Nosferatu though that is really strange. There's a part where he is literally casually carrying a coffin under his arm and and not in a normal way the weird thing is is it's like he's got like just the front of the coffin here with the points right here and just the rest of it is just straight back and you go now what was what was he implying that's not the center of a coffin it's it's just that it's so light to him that he can just you know hang the rest of it out you know i wonder about these things yeah, I, I know. We, well, me and Brandon knows because you, 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 uh, some some metrics, man. You know what? I think I think I should actually actually maybe ask you, let you ask me a question. All right. Uh, well, my first question for you is, who got you uh, interested in doing art design, doing special effects, and things like that, like movies or anything that you saw that influenced you? Uh, the Almighty Dollar. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> um, originally, you see, originally I was a, 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 I was primarily, I, I worked in construction in San Bernardino, right? And um, I mean, I was smarter than that, but I did a lot of different jobs. And 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 beans as I was, I was smart. I was bored. And and I would go out and and do drywall for a month and then paint for a month and then this, 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 that and and I was right next to these tracks and I could send huge I, I could spend uh, you you literally could go in and you could change at any time to something else just by signing up for it right and that's that's what I was doing and my sister came in uh, my sister had gotten a job in Hollywood as she was a uh, she was in off, 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 off Broadway plays. And one of the directors that she works for uh, had gotten a job with Apogee, which was a huge effects company, to do a Canadian safety commercial that they spent $5 million on that is still today one of the most incredibly notorious things it's like a story all in itself, but uh, this is a really big commercial. And it was a really high effects commercial and they hired this director. And one thing that you learn in the business is that the first thing that you do when you get hired, especially if you're kind of new at something, you hire people with the criteria that they won't tell anybody else that you don't know what you're doing. And so the director hired her to do the scenic painting. She didn't know what she was doing. I knew how to run a crew. And and so her then cover for, you know, being able to do the job without knowing what she's doing was to hire me to come in and help. And we put that commercial, and that commercial literally was three three months of work. Oh, wow. And I just didn't go back home. <laughs> I, was, I was just tenacious. I just just was finding work anywhere that I could. And, 
I worked effects and I, I just worked everywhere and, and did everything and, and, and got a reputation for being able to work and use my brain at the same time, which is a problem with a lot of people. Well, yeah, uh, I, it's truly. Uh, but uh, when you say off, 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 off Broadway, so was that Detroit? Is that just a fancy way of saying Detroit? <laughs> uh, off, 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 off Broadway. It's, it, it's like as Broadway goes out to its edges, it gets these little tiny like uh, 20 and 30 seat theaters that are that are uh, that can say that they're on Broadway, but they don't have any money to pay anybody anything. And uh, and it's where everybody's trying. You know, it's it's sort of like working your way up from uh, fan films up to actual movies. You know, mm -hmm. that that's the same. That's the same thing. Only on that's Broadway's version of it is off, 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 off Broadway. So, oh wow, Brandon. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna start with something that's probably my most anticipated question. You worked oh, on Critters too. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah, so, I mean. I'm excited to ask if you helped with the, the big ball of crites, but I know you worked with the town. But as the Kyoto Brothers, not, right? First of all, it's not a town. <laughs> it it literally I built it. I helped yep. I helped them design it, and and then beans as I wasn't particularly doing anything, and they really needed it done, and and I know how to do things quick. Uh, I put together 30, 40 people and we built the town in about three weeks. Wow. And, uh, and what, a, what, what that area was, was, you, you know, where the, um, uh, where the, uh, the printing shop was, right? Yeah. Right. That the center, the center, kind of the center of the movie was the print shop, right? Yeah. Uh, that had a little section of wall on it that was a school that faced the other direction. Very low buildings. And they had a town that originally they, they, had, they were going to shoot, shoot in kind of an abandoned town uh, somewhere back east. But what happened was is they had an early snow. And literally at the end of August, it was snowing. And by the middle of September, it was uh there were like three and four foot drifts in the middle of the town. So it wasn't appropriate for, uh, yeah. for the film. So they needed something immediate. And I said, well, give me a, give me a few weeks and I, 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 give me, give me a week to draw it. <laughs> and I drew it with uh, Philip uh, Foreman, who's the production designer. Give me a week to draw it. And literally, we were we were in a. Uh, he had a place in Venice, and, and trust me when I say, having a place in Venice is, it's especially if you're like you know a fairly new person in town like Philip was. That meant that meant that you literally had. Uh, I I think that his office was a, a, a basically a converted toilet and i sat on one side of it and he sat back to back and we had drawing boards and like only one person could stand up at a time so uh because you needed enough room to like kind of get enough room between you and your drawing board in order to stand up so uh it was incredibly tight and for a week i just sat there and conceived of a town in my head even without i mean we didn't even we didn't even sketch it because honestly, we kind of had to just take it off of how, as we saw it, according to how it worked on the script. We didn't have any time for the niceties of, well, let's give them a sketch and then they can approve it and stuff like that. I just said, you know what? Mick knows what he's doing. <laughs> let's have him build a town. So I did. And that's the, the, the town we came up with. And uh, it, was, uh, it was an incredible challenge. But you mentioned the critter ball, and and I have a little story about that. So the place that we built the town on was up above L.A., uh, up on the corner of Bouquet Canyon. Because it had been a very wet summer, the grass around there was incredibly green, right? And mm -hmm. there was this one asphalt. What we built on, we built on basically the playground, that they used for the school behind us, right? Mm 
So, so that was the streets because there was all asphalt and we, you know, built that town and we built the church and, and the things we didn't build, uh, the outbuilding that they would have parked the, uh, uh, mowers for the, uh, for the, uh, schoolyard that was literally became the, uh, building that we blew up for the, um, all with all the critters in it. Right. But yeah, you could see that there was, there was, there was a field and the field dropped away. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they came in, <laughs> the Kyoto brothers came in to, uh, to test their, uh, their critter ball. And, uh, the one that they had was, uh, a aluminum frame <laughs> that they had kind of, you know, put together, but they, 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 they even ha hadn't even welded it. They literally bolted together a bunch of struts of aluminum and then put chicken wire on it and then attached a whole bunch of, you know, critters to it. And, um, and we kept looking at it going, wow, that's, um, that's not going to work. Uh, <laughs> so, and so they said, oh yeah, sure it is. And they, they said, we're going to go test it on the hill. And they were going to run it. They were going to like run it down, let it run down the hill. And uh, so they set it up at the top of the hill. And we decided that, you know, literally all 30 of my crew, I called up just to watch it roll down the hill because I kind of thought that this was going to be pretty amazing. So they let it go. And as it starts down the hill, it's, it takes immediately, it's, every time it, it would bounce. And every time it would bounce, it would as it landed, it would become another three inches smaller. <laughs> and it kept, it kept rolling down the hill, getting smaller and smaller, and um, critters were jumping for their lives off of it as it went down. So it's shedding critters left and right and just rolling down the hill. And God, we were laughing. Oh, God, it was so fucking funny. And so finally at the bottom of the hill, it was about the size of a beach ball. And I think it had three critters hanging on like this. And um, yeah, so that was that, that was a, such a treat to see. And I think that what they went back and they probably did, and I'm, not, I'm just taking a guess at this, but uh, they came back with something that was inflated. So maybe they would have worked off of a weather balloon or the world's uh, largest actual beach ball or something like that, you know? So, so that was curse. Uh, I know, I was going to say, I know that, uh, that, uh, there's one scene in that movie when that ball was going down, right. That, uh, you could see, uh, make out, I think one of the Kyoto brothers foot or something like behind the ball. <laughs> well, yeah, basically it did, it did just become, you know, just rolling a ball from place to place, but still it was great. You know, I mean, when they, when they had, I, I, I still to this day love, uh, when they, uh, rolled over the guy and he's laying there smoking because up until that point, you had to think that the critters had, had not looked as, offensive and horrible <laughs> as as they became <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah um i was gonna uh tell you real quick um for the so when i met you uh you was talking about nightmare on m street three uh right. you was talking about that can you uh share with us like what you what they did for the uh the freddy snake <laughs> for the freddy snake that was a long involved sequence. That that was uh, uh, I, 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 you know about the Clorox bottle now, right? Yes, but he yeah. don't know about it. So. But he don't. Okay, okay. Uh, the, it it was an incredibly complicated sequence. Uh, you know, there was a uh, mechanical. Uh, there were <clears throat> most people don't know that there are three basic kinds of special effects. There's those that deal with uh, makeup effects. And then there's those that deal with uh, 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 that deal with um, mechanical effects or, or no, we'll, we'll say it this way. Then there's those that deal with 
optical effects and optical effects include miniatures and and uh and uh blue screen and and cgi but there's a whole other field that most people don't really they they think that it's tied in with the one or the other but it's not it's mechanical effects um and mechanical effects are the people that make things move um like an explosion is movement uh water raining down is movement uh a, you know something moving um and, and in this case it, it i actually worked on it on the setup of the snake in the floor because the snake in the floor was purely a mechanical effects uh arrangement so you don't see the snake but it's but it actually is a bunch of um a bunch of football helmets on skateboard wheels that are pulled underneath on an eleven on a uh, on a uh, track that's mounted to a, another wall, like it's a wall within a wall, and this wall is broken out by the uh, by the uh, football uh, helmets on on a track being pulled along, uh, and I have great stories about that, but um, the they're. Let's just say this, that it required somebody to pull a cable so that the snake would go across the floor, up the wall, and across the other wall. And then the rest of the, and then we literally took that platform up, put it up above, we put the snake on a crane, and then lifted the crane up to burst up through the floor, right? And then when it comes back down and it lands, then we shoot it in reverse as it swallows her. We do that in reverse. We literally take the skin of the snake off of the crane and make it swallow her and then film it in reverse with a chomp. She's actually making it chomp her as it goes down the line and we're pulling it off of her, hmm. right? In reverse, then it looks like the snake is chomping, is, is eating yeah. her up. And then it comes back and... Part of it is a miniature, and part of it is actually using the snake, another snake that's huge, that is actually being puppeted. And the puppeting was really wild because people, you know, you think of puppets as being... It wasn't like that. It's like literally they were, they were puppeting it with uh, four by fours <laughs> from, under, from underneath. Uh, it's... Uh, it was actually pretty hilarious to be able to see them puppeting. Then they'd run around and they'd, ah, it's making the movements up there. I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's funny. That's great. So, um, but when it was all done, and there's a lot of great stories in between the one and the other, but when it was done, um, they came to, Peter and I were hanging out at his shop. Peter is the mechanical effects uh, coordinator and a good friend of mine. Uh, Peter and I were hanging out at his shop working, I think, on, on you know, getting ready for Nightmare on the Street 4. And they come, the editors come up and say, hey, look, we have a problem. We have a, essentially, we, uh, the floor floats because there was so much energy with all the football helmets that when they were pulling, when we were pulling the cable, that it literally made the floor, uh, as it broke up, it 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 sort of made it everything on the floor float up like this, right? Mm -hmm. So it was really hard to understand until you got to the wall that it was that I had that it was something that was coming for her, right? It was hard to see that it was coming at her, right? And yeah. so, uh, so Peter and I sat down and we, we thought about it and we, and we grabbed a Mitchell of his and, and, and I came up with this idea. He said, you, I said, you grab a Mitchell, we're going to put it down. Mitchell was a, a, a camera uh, at the time, a 35 millimeter camera. And, and I went across the street and bought a, 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 a 12 by 10 rug, uh, like a, um, oriental rug. We threw it on the ground. We got the Mitchell down so that you could, the reg was the entire frame of it. And then um, we took a Clorox bottle, tied a rope to it, and pulled the rope straight so that the Clorox bottle came straight at the camera. And 
that is the first shot that you see of probably a hundred uh, of at that time a hundred and fifty thousand dollar shot uh, with with the whole sequence. The thing that makes the sequence make sense is uh, a picture of uh, a Clorox bottle uh, being pulled on a rope underneath the carpet. And here's the weird thing about it. Once you know that it's a Clorox bottle, it looks exactly like a Clorox bottle. <laughs> you know what's amazing about that is that uh, uh, essentially a pickup shot right. is one of the, was one of the most iconic parts of that movie. Because when you think about... <laughs> When you think about it going over that rug, uh, underneath the rug, you, you you think, oh my, it's, you know. You, it's, coming for, it's coming yeah. for, it yeah. comes right at you, you know, and you're like, and the great thing about it is, is, is that the setup for it is so good, you know, and it, it just needed that one shot to separate the setup from the motion. And that shot does it because it's just looks like this, it looks like a snake coming right yeah. at you. Unless, of course, you know it's a Clorox bottle, and then it looks like a Clorox <laughs> bottle coming right at you. I can never unsee it now. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Well, yeah. There's there's another one, Nightmare on Elm Street Four, that's that way. Is is uh, the way that we did the? Uh, it, it was my idea to. Well, I, I say this, we had a problem, and here's the problem we had. We were in the middle of a time of a, of a loop, and we had already started filming. And one of the first things that we filmed was kind of some of the pieces of this dream loop. Uh, and you know what the dream loop is? Is that the end where she? Yeah, she's right. coming in around the corner of the end, and oh no, and they get in the truck, right? Right. And yeah. the thing is, is we were, we were shooting all the other stuff that that was that was filming at the same time, which was the. Uh, the uh, uh, sequence with the um, first in the kitchen, first first in the uh, uh, the crave in, and then uh, the uh, cockroach scene, right? Right. Okay. The problem being this is that <laughs> it, we we started that film with a sixty-page outline, and then the writers went on strike, and so. We didn't have anything for, uh, we didn't know when we were going to stop the dream loop. We didn't have any, we, we, we didn't have an end to that loop. We were, we, it, it's funny because the film was as caught in the loop as the filming of the loop was caught in the loop, right? And we're in the middle of a meeting that has everybody in it. I mean, all the way to Bob Shea and, you know, Rennie Harlan and Rachel Tully and, 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 and virtually everybody, including Peter Chesney, the effects guy. And we're, we're like, okay. So the, I remember the part that we were at is we were literally talking about a part that eventually they used on part six, I think, uh, where, and, and we were having an argument as, because we're in a jetliner now, right? We're, we've mm -hmm. got this concept that we're in a jetliner, and and we don't know what we were like. Literally in the middle of an argument. This is after two hours. We're in an argument about who is is Freddie the pilot or is Freddie the stewardess or is, you know? It's like uh, it was it was terrible. I mean, it was like it was we were so going the wrong direction. To my mind. Now I was sitting there, and I kind of, you know, that that thing where you just kind of like put your head in your yeah. hands like this, and I, and I everything out loud. I said, "God, you know, I just wish we could hit nothing." And, and this kid, there's this PA that was like somebody's assistant who was over in the corner, and he goes, because everybody had stopped, and all of a sudden he goes, "Well." What would that look like? And I go, yeah, yeah. What would that look like? That would look like, um, you know, what it would look like? It would look like your bumper stopped, and you ran into your bumper. Like it stopped, and everything piled into it, right? Yeah. And and Peter Chesney goes, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, yeah, yeah. We'll tie, we'll tie the bumper. <laughs> to uh, back to a cable, and we'll take the cable, we'll tie it onto something big and parked, 
and then we'll pull the truck to the end of it and put the camera right there where the end of it is. And we did that. And that's the, that's the, that sequence, that, you know, incredible sequence of the truck hitting nothing, right? Mm-hmm. The thing is, is that it is such a cool sequence, but they left it. They we were working so fast that we left in the fact that you can still see the cable snaking out behind the truck <laughs> on the last shot. You know, if now I've just ruined it for you. Now, now when you look at it, you're gonna go, oh, there's that cable. I will see it. I will yeah. see it now. I, I don't mean it's a little cable. It is. It's, it's like that big around. So because. <laughs> uh, we had to make sure it was going to stop. So, anyway, stu- you know, this is stupid stuff. This is <laughs> brilliant stuff. This is brilliant stuff, uh, Brandon. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, I let Brandon yeah. ask it. I got. I come back. Brandon doesn't say much, does he? I usually do, but I'm, I'm letting you talk, man. I'm, I'm enjoying it, man. Come, you, come, you, you, gotta, knowledge. you gotta come back up against me, you know? I, I gotta have things to, to bounce off of. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. I'll, I'll try my best. I just said you worked. You worked in the horror field uh, for a long time. I, I was just curious your experience on Texas Chainsaw Massacre Three. I think it says you were like a production designer. I was. Yeah. Uh, that- <laughs> you know, we built everything on Texas Chainsaw Massacre Three, uh, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you about the bathroom. <laughs> right. The bathroom. Right. The bathroom. <laughs> the bathroom at the uh, gas station, right? Yeah. Uh, you see, I'd been in that bathroom before. <laughs> I I was trying to I was trying to put <laughs> trying to rebuild a scene from my childhood when when I was a kid. Auto parts stores weren't like that really, like the classy, uh, you know what auto parts stores are like nowadays, you know, like fluorescent yeah. lights and, you know, woohoo and dancing. Yeah, AutoZone, and we're going to sell you some oil, and we're going to sell you this. And da, 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 da. No, they were meant for mechanics, you know, and they were um, like mechanics, you know. Most most mechanics were, mm, so... So my dad used to go to this auto parts store and it was greasy building, you know, it's like greasy countertops and, and dirt everywhere. But, but, but it was, and I'd been to a couple of places with him before you now uh, at that time. And, and that's what, you know, our parts stores looked like. It's like gas stations didn't, Look like Seven Elevens. Gas stations look like funky gas stations, you know. So, so I one time we go in there and 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 he says, "Well, I, I said I, I got to pee," and and they say, "It's eh, okay, yeah, you go behind the counter and and pissers over there." And uh, and so I go in and, dude, oh, let me tell you something. Over the years, they had taken um, nudity magazines from Playboys, whatever, whatever you got, right? And they had glued them to the glued cutouts to the walls. All and here's the thing: it was like right next to each other. It was like wallpapers; like you couldn't see the walls. That's all you could see all the way around, except for like. Like here's the urinal, right? And the urinal was like you know one of one of those, and and the, it had this green streak down the middle from the leaking faucet, right? The leaking valve, and that yeah. green streak was just had nothing but brown between it and the and the walls of the urinal. That's what everything looked like in there, and there was this spot, you know, right? This just greasy maggot infested spot where you would put your hand while you're while you're um pissed, taking, care pit, of taking care of the business right That's, uh, it was disgusting and so i tried to bring that image 
to 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 the fore, but we never even got close. We just didn't. We there was just no way we had enough time because we had built all that from scratch. You know, yeah. <laughs> so we got some of the look. We got maybe an eighth of the way there, but someday I'm going to finish that bathroom. I, I can't wait to see it and experience. Well, now I want to experience it. Uh, maybe from a screen, I'm okay with that. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, I I do know that in uh, four in uh, Nightmare on M Street four, yes. my favorite effect. And you you slightly mentioned there's two of them, but one of them is my favorite effect is the Roach Motel. I also like the Bon Appetit scene. Uh, I believe that's in that one. Uh, cool. But but the Roach Mot- the Roach Motel. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, that that's <laughs> that's another one of those really, really, really big. I mean, uh, I mean, I think all together is probably a couple weeks of filming. But uh, the thing that's really cool about that sequence that people don't realize is that when you're in the Roach Motel itself, there's no opticals. That's that's absolutely uh, shot live. And that includes when Freddie looks inside of it, because we used an old form of um, of uh, back screen projection, you know. And, and what was so cool about it was when he's looking inside of there like that. We had filmed that when we were at the original location, right? And then when we were on our, you know, Roach Motel, which was a built thing, uh, he's. Uh, his looking at it was just projected on a screen. And what you'd had to do is you had to get the camera and you'd roll the camera. Right. And a guy would stand here with a, <laughs> in fact, I did it a couple of times just because, you know, it was like, okay, well, Hey, it's it, somebody would know how to do this. And what you had to do is speed up or slow down the projection until it synced perfectly with the camera. And, all of a sudden, you would see the image start to come up, up, up. You could, you had to look in the camera, and you had to like see in the viewfinder. You would see the image come up, 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 and then it would be full image, and you'd say, "Okay, they could go." <laughs> then they would shoot it. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, but but this that those you know that the, the transition sequence where she's up in there and and. Pulling that those were screens, those were uh silk screens that were soaked with uh 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 ultra slime hmm. that 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 were pulled off one at a time to like reveal. And then the last one, as they're doing it, it literally the the face unfolds because it was folded, the face of the insect is folded in here and it unfolded and that's why it actually is wider than it looks with her head originally wow so there's like all kind of uh just sequences just involved with that with the uh oh my god with, with the with the mechanic itself with the, oh. the frailing and then also you you explain you explain that so you have uh the uh screen where it's freddie's eye and then that set which is hurt and in, in that set, and then also you have the perspective of Freddie holding the holding the actual Roach Motel himself. So you right. have like a right. lot and of I'll, elements. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you start out filming that, and then and then on location we did the part which was uh, the skeletal the skeletal parts of the uh, robot of the uh, Roach arms were actually covered with uh, uh, gelatin versions of her hands of her arms right which is great because there was literally a bucket there uh, uh, like a trash can of arms of gelatin (laughs) gelatin arms you know and then she gets bent back like this and it breaks and the and then they push the uh uh the uh arms of the uh cockroach through right 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 okay so you get through that then she gets up and she runs away. Then while we were on that location, we did all of his reactions to looking at the, uh, to looking in at the cock at her as a cockroach and then crushing the box. Mm-hmm. Then we're on stage and we do the, we had an enormous, uh, like 120 foot long, 
um, room that was an attic room that goes from uh, goes from little tiny uh, to really these norm. It goes like from like half of normal size uh, uh, trusses to uh, a trusses being thirty foot high, and we ran the camera with her at it, and that's where you see her. You know, it kind of looks like she's getting smaller and the room is getting bigger. Well, that's just uh, forced perspective. And then you're in the actual uh, really large uh, cockroach, uh, uh, roach motel, which is really, i got to tell you something strange. We literally called up the company Roach Motel, right? Mm-hmm. And and said, hey, listen, we're, we'd like to use your your name in the film and they said oh great we'll send you over like as many as you want they sent us 10,000 empty <laughs> roach motel <laughs> they were you probably, everywhere you probably still own some you probably still got some in your attic <laughs> no god no me no i i uh, i can't stand i can't i cannot stand stuff once it's been shot i, I have no desire to see it i i i literally can walk away I can walk away from a, a job with a pencil. That's that's all I ever take well, away from it. I do I do want to say this, and I let Brandon. Uh, but I blame you for not having me to lift weights because that scene when it split, yeah that, <laughs> that oh. was over for me. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's the reason. Yeah, you know, <laughs> me too, me too, Aaron. Because because otherwise I would have still been 160 pounds. Yeah. Well, it's that and pork chops, Mick. It's that and pork chops. Well, yeah, and then pork chops and bacon. God, come on, talking bacon. We like hey, bacon, man. Bacon and bacon. That's right. We add more bacon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd like it. I I could be a ve- a vegan as long as there's bacon. <laughs> and actual bacon, not that vegan shit. Ah, yeah, maybe I can't be a vegan. No, no, maybe not. <laughs> no, I don't think so. No. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, it, but but I do have a really funny story to to tell you about the whole cockroach sequence. Okay. <laughs> um, the day that we were going to actually work in the room itself, right? The room that we had built, uh, uh, the uh, the uh, uh, Roach Motel, oversized Roach Motel. We had sent. <laughs> We had sent and had shipped back in the days where when you sent for something, if it got to you in, in three weeks, you were like, whoo, boy, it really, it really got it here quick, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we had ordered a 50-gallon barrel of Ultrasime, which is incredibly expensive stuff. I mean, today I, I think it's still like at two, $200 a gallon or so. And uh, it's it's that really stringy, weird stuff that doesn't follow any uh, sort of uh, physics. Uh, l- literally, on the side of a package, if you get Ultra Slime, they tell you that you have to have scissors handing, standing by in order to open the container. Because it's the only way to, to get it off of there. Is because it goes immediately, right? right. So... So... And basically, what it is is it's it's like a slime, but it's um, it's the slimiest slime that you can get. It strings out longer than any others. It has no surface tension. Um, it's it's basically. I think that what they do is they come up with a batch of methicil, you know, just your standard stuff, and then they have a warlock come in and bless it, and it becomes ultra slime. And uh, so, so. We had sent for this fifty-gallon drum, and man, it it came the night before we were going to use it, right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm in my office, and I it's about two o'clock in the morning, something like that, you know, because we were always working at that time. And um, I had had the fifty-gallon uh, drum put in in an empty room, you know, two offices down from me because we had to color it. And so what I did was I got, I had a guy get one of those you know those big drills that has the whip that does uh you mix drywall with right I mean the whip is this pay attention Aaron I am 
the big whip is is like this, and it's got the paddles that bend up, right? And the whip is like that long, right? You know, like what? Oh, that long. Okay. So he's uh, I I set it up in the room with a, a with one of our art PAs, you know, and uh, I said, oh, you know, uh, I set it all up for him, and I literally give it to him. And say, yeah, I want you to mix this color in. And I put in a bunch of uh, food coloring for the orangish color that I wanted, right? And I and and he goes, yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, I'll take care of it. And so I go back on down to my office. Well, I get, I just get sat back down in my office and start to draw. And all of a sudden, I hear this screaming coming from the other room. And I'm like, whoa, what the fuck is that? So I go out and I get in the hallway and I can hear it's coming from, you know, two doors down. It's it's from the room. And I go and I open up the door and here's this PA. <laughs> it's literally the whole 50 gallons of it has, because it's got no surface tension and he turned the drill on, it, it climbed the drill and enveloped him. Oh my god, like the blob. It looked like a scene from the blob, right? And here's the thing. This stuff was like probably about $20,000 altogether. So, uh <laughs> he had to wait while I went and got a bunch of people and we like put him in a, a kids pool that we had and we literally scraped all of it off of him while he was just screaming and he just barely we kept uh, Cause he wanted a tube in his mouth so he could breathe. So we did that, and, and then we just kept, you know, scraping until we could scrape it all off, and then mixed it as best we could and got it out, and uh, and that's the goop that you see used on the set. Man, so so essentially, you was like breathing is breathing is a right. You don't have the right. You mess with this. Well. <laughs> <laughs> No, no one said it was going to be easy. That's right. You, you knew the job was dangerous when you took it. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> Other Brent asked, what was, the, "What was your most challenging shoot that you can remember?" Uh, boy, they're 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 all a pain in the butt. Uh, most challenging. Uh, well, yeah. In all honesty, I did work on uh, uh, Blade, and I did some really cool things on Blade. I did the, the blood shower on Blade, but I didn't make it all the way through because the director was just such a dickhole. Uh, he was <laughs> such a you wild. heard it first. You heard it first, guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, look. You know what? The guy directed two things. He directed that, and then he went on to to direct uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And if you oh, look at, and then you if you look at his IMD page now, uh, he does sculpting for special effects houses. So uh, you, you know, I guess it's no secret. <laughs> the secret's out. He's a dick. So there you go. That's so that was go. that was my just, most challenging. That it was it was fucked up in every way, but right. it was mostly mostly fucked up by a human. But I, but I I am I very I am very proud of my my uh, shower sequence. I am very proud of it. Me too. I actually seen that. I actually seen that scene yesterday. I was watching a YouTube video on uh, yeah. Blade you know, and uh, they yeah. give they give credit for the biggest the biggest amount of blood is supposed to go to. Um, Evil Dead 2, because they did, uh, supposedly they did a $5,000, 5,000-gallon 5, scene of uh, of raining blood in a forest. But mm -hmm. it doesn't look like blood. It looks like water, you know? My shit looked like fucking blood. Yeah, it really did. It, it looked really like did. blood. Yeah. Are you, are you talking about the very beginning with the club scene? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's what. Why is there another scene in there that has no? That's only five hundred gallons of blood. That's I, the only scene I remember. Don't remember that? I, I remember that scene, but <laughs> that's all I can say about Blade. I remember that scene. <laughs> I can't tell you. Anything I was else. pushing your chain, man. You know. I remember. I remember Sinai Lathan. That's all I remember, other than the blessing. That's all I remember. Oh, gotcha. Blade. Well, that's. Yeah. But uh. I will ask you. I will ask you. Uh, I noticed that you uh, did work on 
It's not a horror movie, but it's uh, it is uh, Breaking <laughs> Two. Oh, Breaking Two, the Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> you did the rotating room, didn't you? You know what? I I, I helped with the rotating room. I, I was uh, that was Jim Doyle's job. And and here's the funny thing is um, Jim Doyle. I I had come on and helped Jim Doyle with that room. Then got the job to do break-in, and we took over the stage from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, which is where that room was first in. And then while it was on the stage, then we went and we took that room out and we put in our little garage with the spray-painted... By the way, the guy that... I have to tell you, we got, we got this guy... Name uh, uh God, what was his name? Uh, the dancer? God. No, 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 the painter. The oh, guy okay. who painted the guy who painted that room. He was a, a a famous Zodiac, right? This was his name, Zodiac, and he he painted the room, and and then he had to do it twice, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much the same, because we had to have one for them to act in, and then one for them to do the dancing in that was spinning, right? And here's the thing, that guy literally, we bought, I think something like a hundred, 150 cans of spray paint, and he just uh, took that paint, and we had fans and everything in there, and he just took that paint and then closed the doors on the little room, <laughs> just and just disappeared for like five hours, and then... And then literally he opens up the door to the room and all you can see is these eyes, you know. He goes, okay, where's the other room? And then we went, so we went in and we took the, the, we had done them in panels inside of that room and we took them off and then it was just raw and then he went back in and he was in for another five hours. Oh, wow. Woo! Yeah, no fans, no nothing. No ventilation, just... Him and spray paint for five hours in a in a literally uh, a seven by five by five room. So yeah, he seven by five by seven by five by eight. So maybe those paint fumes helped him to come up with <laughs> come up with that design. I know, or maybe it helped Boogaloo Shrimp to be able to dance on the ceiling. I don't know. See, I seriously, I. I, I First of all, what I wanted is I just wanted a cross section of his lungs. I just wanted to see what exactly that looked like. You know, if you cut him in half, like I wanted to count the rings. Um, it's just sometimes you just you, you want things, right? Um, and I'm just curious as to whether he actually made it. Hey, Brandon, while you're there, right? Yeah, look up Zodiac, uh, uh, an 80s uh, painter. See if he's 80s uh, subway uh, painter. See if he's still there. See if he's still around. Or, or you don't do that. Aaron does it. Oh, oh, you look it up. Oh, uh, Hell, well, I'll look it up. Somebody look it up. <laughs> somebody look it up. <laughs> why are you doing? Why are you looking it up? So it says that you're uncredited for Candyman. What What did you do with, with Candyman? Other than probably like make great friends with Tony Todd. But <laughs> <laughs> okay. This will be the last story. So, by that point, I had uh, I had started doing a lot of fixing, um, going in and you know taking horrible situations and turning them around, right? And I get called down to uh, the S and A stages, and uh, and there's a producer, and I, and I go into a producer's office and. And uh, and we schmooze for a while, and, and he goes, you know, I'm I'm having problems with my uh, art department. And I go, well, yeah, you know, I, I hate to say anything, but you're Candyman, right? And he goes, yeah. I go, well, you're 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 already on the stage here, and I know that you've been here for at least two weeks, because because uh, you know it's like you couldn't get away with any secrets in the town, right? And uh, uh, I. Why do you know? You probably only have like three to four weeks left. What do you need to do? And he, and he goes, "Well, we've been having a problem, and 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 I'm thinking about firing the whole art department." And I said, "Okay, 
you want me to bring on a put together an art department to like start halfway in a film that you're actually filming on the stage now? I said I I wouldn't advise that. I'm not 100% sure that uh, that's a great idea. And then I came up with the idea. I said, tell you what, I'll come in and I'll just, you know, help put things together. And you can call me in the uh, uh, art department associate or whatever you want. I mean, I don't, I don't give a shit. Um, just pay me pretty well, right? You know? And we signed a deal and, 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 and I was supposed to come in and start the next day. But I thought, you know, they're on the stage right there. Uh, uh, the... The studio had some offices, and their offices were on the And I could tell that they were filming right around the corner. So I went over and waited until the light turned off. And I walked on the stage. And whenever you walk onto a stage during the day, uh, you kind of have to like, stand and get used to the low light levels, right? And I'm standing, <laughs> I'm standing, and there's a, 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 a front kind of like, Going away from me at an angle, there's the, there's the back of a stage, uh, back of a set, right? Right. And uh, and over to the right, up against the wall of the stage itself, is uh, is craft services. And craft services, you just you know the long tables with the uh, coffee pots and the the, the 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 treats and shit. And all of a sudden, this old man. <laughs> it's probably my age now, right? <laughs> it's old man. So anyway, this old man. Comes running around the corner, runs right in front of me, runs right over to the craft service, and he grabs the coffee, the pot of coffee, right? And he grabs it and takes it and goes back and goes around the corner of the set. And I thought, well, that's just... That's interesting. <laughs> I gotta follow that. I gotta follow that. I don't know what the hell's going on there. And so I follow back and I go around the corner. And and as I come around the corner, I can see that like virtually everybody that must be working on the production, which you know, is just standing behind the camera looking over to that side, right? And I was like, well, what the hell are they all looking at? And I come all the way around, and this is what I see. I see an older woman and an older man. One of them has got the decaf. One of them has got the coffee, the regular coffee. And they're trying to splash each other with the hot coffee. Now, the funny thing about it is both of them were kind of older and didn't seem to be like people who could do things. You know what I mean? You know, office people or, or cameramen, as it were. And um, and they were like, you know, doing this. <laughs> the coffee would just, and it would blip out, right? And then the other one would try and throw the coffee and it would blip out. And I went, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is going on here, right? And I watched them attempt to moronically kill each other at, to uh, various Snickers and stuff from the uh, the crew, right? And, right. And I went, oh, th this is this is insane. And when I asked, I asked somebody, who are, who are these two people? And she goes, well, the guy is the DP, <laughs> and the woman is the production designer, <laughs> and they don't love each other. <laughs> I go, yeah, <laughs> holy shit, <laughs> get a room and blow it up. <laughs> and oh so, my God. And so, so I back back out. And I'm and I'm and I walked back into the guy's office and I said, you know, I just went on the stage and when I said that, his face went, oh, the producer, <laughs> his face goes, oh, and I go, yeah, I think we should have a little talk. <laughs> and, and, and so literally, I doubled my fee and I said, you know, you really need you need somebody that'll stand in between those two motherfuckers when they're trying to throw coffee at each other, right? And he goes, "Yeah, right. That's pretty much that's pretty much the job." And I mean, it it include, included like a lot of make work, but the main thing I had to do was make sure that those two didn't kill each other, and they tried to kill each other consistently and constantly for the next four weeks. 
Was, was it, it seemed like like spy versus spy? Like what? It was incredible. I mean that they they tried every way to to undermine. They would try to politically undermine, uh, damage. They would get people involved to like ruin each other's cars and all the rest of this. And it was like a full time job for five weeks for me, so that they wouldn't kill them each other. That's that, that was it. That's what I was hired for. I've never been hired for anything like that in my life. You got it was hilarious. It was a lot of money. I had a great time. I really did. You got a lot of money to babysit old people throwing coffee on one. Right. That was brilliant. Exactly. Brilliant. Both of them. Both of them had been through like rehab so many times that the DP. The DP was this guy. Uh, uh, I don't know if you ever seen people from rehab. Uh, uh, do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. You know, it's like that all the time, and oh god, it was unbelievable, but it was really fun. <laughs> My goodness. So, you know, the thing is, is this is like honestly, people ask me about that all, and all I got is the story. So. <laughs> That's a great story. I didn't do much, but but I did my job, and well, they got through the they got done with the filming. So you kept two old people from killing each other. From so killing each other, yes. <laughs> and 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 the thing is, is they were so obsessed with each other that 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 I, I kind of had to make sure that they actually would do their jobs instead of trying to kill each other. You know, it's like, well, you know, I I know you want to go out and flatten his tires, but don't you have a meeting in about five minutes? It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, it's like, oh, damn. <laughs> it's like, they never talk about that on the making of... Uh, no, no, they, see, that <laughs> shit never comes up, you know? That's, that's, you see, all my stories are, I, I, I wouldn't bother to repeat something that would have been on somebody else's making of, you know, because there's so many more stories back behind that. <laughs> I believe. Brandy, you got anything? Um... Well, you did do. Uh, you were a, f- a first assistant director on a fan film called Friday the Thirteenth Vengeance. Yes, uh, I was. Yeah, I, Jason's my favorite character, and I saw it last year, and I loved it. Uh, any stories you can tell us about that one, that experience? Oh, uh, you know what? Uh, we're kind of running out of time, and uh, I, I'm just going to suffice to say this: is I had a blast doing it. Um, there was a there was a goose situation on it, um, but uh, I don't have to tell you about it. There's there's footage. Uh, if 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 you look up uh, Mick and and uh, goose uh, goose fight, uh, eventually you'll see it. Um, and Vengeance Two is starting up, and I was going to go in and uh, help them out with that. Um, I do want to uh, make sure that we pitch you your uh, your book. My book. Oh. My book. My um, uh, book. I normally have a copy of it around here, but uh, it's behind the screams. Behind the screams. Uh, it, it's a book about Nightmare on Elm Street Four. It's got all this cool stuff, um, and um, it's it's a, it's real behind the scenes stories. It's like the behind the scenes stories that are behind the behind the scenes stories that you've already heard. You know, these are the stories behind those stories. Um, it's, it's, and it, it's very funny. It's very colorful. I designed it to make it look like the book, like the shows themselves and uh, like the show itself. Uh, I'm working on the third now. Um, uh, so I have Behind the Screens, which is about Nightmare on Elm Street 4, and I have Behind the Screens 3. There is no Behind the Screens 2 because unlike New Line Cinema, I'm not making that mistake. <laughs> and then also, uh, I want to uh, also let people know about your podcast. Oh, also, yeah. You have Gotta an appearance get- coming up. I do all kinds of shit. Oh, you got all kind of it stuff. just got it just got canceled. My parents just got canceled. Oh. Yeah, and we were talking about that too. Okay. We we're like, okay. oh, what? Well. But you know you what? Did. Next week, next year, I'm going to be everywhere. Uh, actually, if you're up in the area around uh, for for a month, I'm going to be flitting in and out. All kinds of little um, 
uh, cons that that are happening up in the east area because they're not closed down right now. And uh, I, I'm actually going to be uh, hanging out with, with a bunch of people from uh, the Nightmare and a bunch of other people, and we're going to take over a hotel and uh, and just go to 14 to 18 different shows just before um, before Halloween. So, but you know, it's uh, it's been a hell of a year, as, as they say. Yeah, it's been something. Yeah, there's been that this 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 awful smell in the timeline. <laughs> yeah, but well, I thank you for joining us today. Oh, uh, you're you're so welcome. So much fun. And uh, definitely, uh, we got to do a part two sometime. Uh, you got yeah. stories upon stories upon stories. Oh yeah, no, I, I I got you know what? We'll break away from the nightmares. We'll go into all some of the rest of the the lunacy, the lunacy, the lunacy. <laughs> The lunacy. I love it. Well, this is Aaron Whitlow. Brandon Spivey. And Nick Strawn. <laughs> we're the Marquette Movie Podcasters. We thank y'all for joining us. And I guess yeah, don't get corona, I guess. All yeah, right. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> All right.